Well, welcome. It's a rainy Thursday afternoon in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and this is David. I'm with Shane, the beat writer for JMU Basketball. It's a, it's, a, it's a rainy day, so it's a good day to talk basketball. But before we do that, you're not wearing your Kansas City Chiefs hat, which surprises me, but you did watch the parade. So congratulations, Shane. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big, big uh, time for everybody back home and uh, exciting time for the city. I mean, I, I think about it. My, my grandfather passed here fairly recently, and, uh, you know, he was one of those ones who I think waited the entire 50 years, was mm-hmm. there for those, you know, Super Bowl one and Super Bowl four, and you think, you, you know, probably going to see a whole bunch of them in your <laughs> lifetime, and then you go that long without it. So I, and it means a lot pe- to a lot of people in my family and back home and everything, and, uh, you know, pretty exciting time for, you know, that franchise. Obviously, I'm a baseball person, so I did see a tweet. Somebody took a photo of the parade on Wednesday and compared the photo to the last time the Royals won the World Series. I don't know if you saw that photo. Um, and they, the person pointed out they were kind of surprised at the difference in the attendance for the two. Yeah, and I don't know. I saw some photos about it, and I know it was huge for the Royals when they won a few years ago. And uh you know, I think there was about a million people there, which okay. when there's I didn't know two that. million people yeah, yeah. in the that, metro area, yeah, that's, that's you know, pretty crazy. That's pretty impressive. Um, and I don't know. I saw some different photos from this. I know there was one that was taken early in the morning and it looked like there wasn't a very big crowd. Yeah. And uh, I think it definitely filled out a lot after that. So I don't know exactly how it ended up being, you know, between the two, but it all maybe maybe it makes a difference when people experience that for the first time in decades, just a few years ago, and then it comes around again pretty soon. But I would have guessed it would have been as big a crowd or bigger for the Chiefs, but you never know with the weather and everything else going on, just you know, yeah. What 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 makes people's decisions about sure. what they're gonna go out and deal with crowd wise and yeah. everything. Well, as a person who's lived in the D.C. area a long time, there's always a controversy about how many people were at the National Mall for certain things, and obviously that's more political. So Mm -hmm. when you're comparing baseball and football, I think it's all kind of tame and it's all good, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was was definitely something that uh, they waited 30 years for the World Series, and I think that was just kind of um, an overflow of emotions, even people Mm -hmm. who maybe weren't as huge a Royals fans leading up to that, just the fact that the mm-hmm. city went that long, the whole region really, because, you know, you talk about Kansas City and you go back, uh, their fandom expands, you know, basically mm-hmm. the entire state of Kansas, half of Missouri, up into right. Iowa and Nebraska and parts of Oklahoma, and it encompasses like such a huge area, just, you know, square mileage wise. Right. It's, it's uh, even if it's not as big population as, mm. you know, a lot of the East Coast places, it's, you know... It touches a huge area, lots sure, of people, diverse, right. you mm-hmm. know, people who come from, you know, different backgrounds and everything. And it, that's kind of what makes it pretty uh, pretty crazy when they are able to win a championship after so long. Right. And, of course, as you may know, the Kansas City Royals general manager does have ties to Harrison Murray, Virginia. Uh, Dayton Moore is a member of the Valley Baseball League Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, um, so there you go. So, yeah. well, we'll make the transition now to James Madison University, men's and women's basketball. Shane has been following both teams closely um, for a couple of years. And we're going to start out with the story that's going to be coming uh, online tonight, Thursday night, and also in the paper on Friday, is looking at the JMU women and their NCAA tournament resume. Um, some people have them 
on the bubble. But Shane, why don't you talk a little bit more about kind of where they are with a couple weeks left in the regular season? They're in a familiar spot to uh, the program and the JMU fans and everything at this point in February. It's it's very similar to where they were at this point last year as far as kind of their overall um, place in the national picture. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they kind of took a different route to get here, but they're – you know, ranked um, gym, the women's game still uses RPI, mm-hmm. whereas the men's selection committee has kind of phased that out right. largely. Right. Uh, it's still a huge thing for the women. And uh, the Jamie women, they're number 45 in RPI right now. Um, it's pretty similar to where they were around the start of February mm-hmm. last year. They kept uh, rising last year, kind of, you know, different factors. They kept winning. Uh, some teams were losing that were also kind of, you know, in that bubble area. Mm-hmm. They ended up getting into the 30s last year. Um, but, you know, they're they're in that similar place where they're, you know, definitely not a lock to get an uh, at-large mm-hmm. bid, but they're in the mix based on what they've done so far. What's going to hurt them is not having that real key signature win where, you know, they let the Maryland game get away. Right. They, you know, um, Virginia, it would be... A little bit different because that would have been a road game. That's another mm-hmm. team. They're um, right there at the same level, number 45-ish RPI. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning that game on the road would have been a nice look for JMU. Uh, the Probably the signature win for the Dukes right now is their win over St. John's at home. That's a top 50 mm-hmm. win. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a couple you know, top 100-ish wins, but they don't have that you know, just one where you look um, – you know, practically speaking, I think we can all look at that Maryland game and think, you know, they proved they can play with some of the best teams in the country. Right. Yeah. But the bottom line of it is when you start looking at, you know, top 50 wins, top 20 wins, quadrant one, however you break it down, it was a loss and it was a home loss. And, yeah. it, you know, yeah. doesn't do them as much good as it really could have if they could have just hung on and uh, won that one. Right, and of course now, I mean, we're in the to the heart of the conference place. So those opportunities have passed them by. Obviously, there's no more out of conference games. Um, Drexel continues to be one of the best teams in, in the CAA. Sort of talk about Drexel and JMU at this point. Yeah, and then that's part of, I guess, what makes uh, Sunday's loss to Drexel a little bit frustrating too, because that could have been another you know top seventy five right type victory, but that's one that they won't have an opportunity to get. Um, and there's not as many in the CAA as, you know, the conference, you know, frankly, would have hoped to have at this point. Right. I mean, you know, you looked going into this season that, you know, JMU brought so many people back. Drexel brought basically everybody mm-hmm. back. Towson, which won the conference tournament, mm-hmm. brought basically everybody back. Delaware was bringing back the conference player of the year from a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, UNCW had a core group back. I think going into this season – the CAA at large hoped there would have been multiple top 100 wins on the table for everybody mm-hmm. in the conference right. because, you know, Towson should have been better than what they are right now. They're, you know, in the 150s mm-hmm. and kind of been a disappointment. UNCW has been a big disappointment. Delaware just never really got back to the level that, you know, you thought maybe they would be with Nicole and Abazi. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, not – it's really JMU and Drexel are the only – quality teams as far as, you know, getting those quality wins in the top, you know, 75. JMU's in the top, you know, 50. Drexel's 
around 60. They have a shot to be a top 50 team mm-hmm. if they keep winning, which will be big for JMU if right. you know Drexel can keep winning. JMU can get a victory or two against Drexel between now and the NCAA tournament on their resume. It could help them a lot. Mm-hmm. And you look at other teams that they've played, you know, a team like a Liberty or Robert Morris mm-hmm. are you know, possibly going to be borderline top 100 teams by the end of the season. Um, You want to keep rooting for them to kind of dominate their conferences and see what happens if, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they can, you know, have a few more quality wins and resume pieces before the end of the season. You were tweeting during the game on Sunday, of course, Jam, you played at Drexel. That was a, you know, you did a really good preview about that game, big game, top two teams in the conference. And, um, I didn't follow the game. You were following it. JMU obviously did not play well. Was that a big surprise to you that you know this game was built up and, and they just it was just a bad day? Yeah, I mean it was a surprise to me. And I know JMU did not shoot very well. Um, and you know Sean O'Regan kind of you know since then has kind of you know written it off as that they didn't mm-hmm. shoot well. They weren't making shots they normally make. And if they had, it might have been a different game. Um, but I, I, you know, frankly, was surprised to see them, you know, get blown out by anybody in the conference. I, I feel like when you look at JMU, they have so much more depth than mm-hmm. anybody else in the mm-hmm. conference. Drexel has some good players. Mm-hmm. Drexel doesn't have; they're not bringing three or four people off the bench. The quality that JMU does, nobody in the conference. Does. I mean, I look at JMU and I think they've got seven to eight players who would start for any other team in the CAA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've got, I mean, I look at a player like, you know, Eleanor Marshuski who barely gets off the bench for JMU. I've seen her practice, seen her work out, seen her play when she's gotten an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel like she would start for about half the teams in the conference. That's, interesting. And wow. that's how deep JMU mm-hmm. is right now. And, you know, they, but they have these games where they just start so slow on the road. That's mm-hmm. kind of been an issue for them in my mind. Um, but like I said, you know, I asked, you know, Sean O'Regan about that on Monday and he kind of, you know, he, he downplayed that aspect mm-hmm. of it to me that they're starting slow on the road. He said, we got off to good starts, you know, against Charleston and some other teams, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a recurring theme against Towson and that loss has happened at Drexel. Um, and even some of their wins early in the season at Georgetown, George Washington up at Villanova, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are games that they started slow and kind of had the talent to overcome it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll see if it's, you know, a wake-up call. I I don't think they should lose any more CAA games, but it's it's tough. And, you know, Drexel is going to be a team that when they play at the end of this month mm-hmm. is going to have a lot of confidence knowing that they, uh, you know, they finally know they can beat JMU. Right, right. That, you know, these groups of players, JMU has always kind of had the upper hand, upper mm-hmm. hand Um but maybe not so much coming off of that game. So you talk. You obviously were at the luncheon on Monday with the coaches, and of course JMU has been off this week. They play Towson here on Sunday afternoon. Um, I think they had a week off earlier in the year. Just again having that week off, it, it throws the routine out a little bit. What are you expecting when Towson comes here Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that it's um, because of the way they schedule it in the CAA with the travel partners. You know, twice during the season, you have that week where you only play one game, right? Right. Um, and it, you know, comes against Towson each time because they're they're the partners, mm-hmm. um, and so they didn't play very well, especially to start the game against Towson up there. Um, after you said like they had a week off, and I think going into that, they felt like it was coming at a good time for them to get a little rest mm-hmm. and everything. But um, you know, Towson is a team. 
like I mentioned it before, Towson has too much talent to be where they are, you know, kind of in the middle of the standings mm-hmm. and, you know, 500-ish team. You know, they showed what they can do against Jamie because they've always been a sort of touch, tough matchup for Jamie right. because they're one of the few teams that may not have the same kind of depth that Jamie has. Mm-hmm. They're one of the few teams in the conference that has the same kind of athleticism at the guard spots, yeah. and, you know, underneath the basket that JMU has. So that's always, you know, a tougher matchup. They can play with JMU and get up and down mm-hmm. the court and, you know, challenge their shots and things more than some other teams. But, you know, I would think this time around, knowing this is a team, JMU just lost the game. This is mm-hmm. a team that's beaten JMU. You would think the focus would be there going into Sunday. I would be very surprised if it's not. Yeah, yeah. and that doesn't surprise me because Co- Co- Coach Richardson at Towson has been known as a really great recruiter. She's been a veteran recruiter at a lot of Division One schools, and now she's got the head job at Towson. Um, anything else on JMU women before we try to transition to the men a little bit and talk about both programs in general? Uh, no, I mean, it's just it's, um, it's a big weekend for them. They, you know, kind of get got to get back on the winning track. And like I said, you know, if they want to have any chance of getting an at-large bid, if for some reason they don't win the CAA tournament, you know, they kind of got to start winning consistently now. I'm not right. that they haven't won consistently. I mean, I guess that's, you know, one of the things about how you judge this women's program is, um, you know, they kind of set the bar to the point where, you know, just winning the majority of your conference games. Right isn't necessarily enough. You've got to get to the NCAA tournament at some point. And, you know, it's unfair to a degree that that's put on you that sometimes that means you have to have a good weekend and can't slip up Mm -hmm. over the course of a three day tournament. But, you know, you also, they've also had these opportunities where they could be sitting, you know, comfortably in the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. field right now. And they're not because they, you know, have had, you know, some, you know, mental, Letdowns, whether it was a Towson game or the comeback against Maryland or mm-hmm. a bad quarter against Virginia, any combination of two or three of those eliminated their, mm-hmm. you know, almost a lock for the NCAA tournament at okay. this point. Well, we're a few hours away from the men's game, play, uh, men's team at JMU playing at Drexel tonight. Um, and then their road trip for the weekend continues at Delaware on Saturday. And we're going to, Shane, you have an interesting uh, angle that you, you know, the women's program has been the cream of the crop and the CAA is one of the best. The men's team obviously is having a rough year. Talk a little bit about, you know, those two programs. And you've got a little feedback on, on social media about looking at the programs and, and maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is interesting when you look at it. I, I think the word I use during the, uh, women's game the other day was that it's inexcusable to get blown out by another CAA team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that particular word is harsh, but I, I do believe that JMU just has too much talent mm-hmm. to get blown out by another conference team. But then, you know, the thing that was pointed out to me was that maybe I'm not as harsh on the men's team when they've lost nine conference mm-hmm. games compared yeah. to two. And, you know, I, you know, it's a, perhaps a valid criticism how much do you just beat the dead horse when it comes to the men's team that everybody knows they're not right you know playing the way they're capable of that it's you know by all accounts a bad season at this mm-hmm. point they're you know essentially can't finish above 500 in the conference which i think was the benchmark everybody set for them right um it's you know 
looking more and more likely there's going to be big changes at the mm-hmm. end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you, do you guess, harp on that when you're covering them day to day? And right. I feel like, you know, I lay out the facts of the matter and mm-hmm. I've, you know, even offered opinions that I feel like the roster is far too talented to mm-hmm. have been in this, you know, situation. And, you know, a few, you know, opinions here and there of like maybe what's gone wrong coaching wise. I don't think it's, you know, necessarily fair to say that, you know, everything that's been done by the coaching staff has been terrible, but there are definitely areas where they've been lacking as far Mm -hmm. as in-game adjustments and things like that. Um, So, you know, I think it's, you know, probably a fair conversation, an interesting conversation to have is like how you judge this men's basketball team and the program itself against, Mm -hmm. you know, the women and basically every other program on campus where they've had, you know, levels of success. Right. Right. And, you know, it's tough, it's tough to figure out exactly, you know, where they stand because I don't think it's just, I don't think it's apples to apples just to say, like, okay, the soccer team wins the CAA championship, so the men's basketball right, team should right. also win the CAA mm-hmm. championship. Mm-hmm. There's different things that go into it. Right. Um, the What your peers and competitors, what they put into it, you know, makes a difference. And, right. you know, I, I've said this before. There are 350-some Division One programs. Right. And probably at least 330 of those are their administration is banking on their men's basketball team mm. being successful. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a different level of competition for men's basketball programs. They're going up against a completely different thing. I'm not to take, you know, you don't want to take anything away from what the success, the softball program here at JMU has had or right. the football program or the women's lacrosse program, right. but it's different. Yeah. You know, women's lacrosse team, they're really when you're looking at women's mid-major programs that put in the kind of resources, have the recruiting base, have mm-hmm. all the advantages that JMU has. Their core group of peers is maybe 20 to 30 programs right. that they're trying right. to like be better than every right. year. Right. Completely different situation compared to, you know, everybody in the CAA is banking on their men's basketball team being a moneymaker right. and successful. Right. And, you know, almost every mid-major conference is that way. Sure. It's, it's a different situation. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, JMU's men's basketball program should be at a much higher level than it is right now. But I don't think it's necessarily fair to say everybody else is winning the CAA and making it to the NCAA tournament. Why isn't the men's basketball program? Right. It, it's right. not just apples to apples in yeah. that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, well, let's let's look at the weekend a little bit for the men. Um, you know, not an easy trip, obviously. Two road games in what three days? That um, so they're at D- Drexel tonight in Philly, and then come further south and play Sunday afternoon, um, or excuse me, Saturday afternoon against uh, Delaware. So, what what do you see this week, Shane, from JMU? I mean, it'll be interesting to see just how they respond to um, finally breaking that losing streak, right. getting a victory. Does it turn into some momentum? Um, you know, maybe maybe it's good to get on the road and, you know, get on the bus and just be, you know, within yourselves. Um, they're playing a couple teams that they were very competitive against the mm-hmm. first time around, you know, even in the midst of that losing streak. Right. Um, you know, those games here at the Convocation Center against Delaware and Drexel were very close games. Drexel led the whole way. But um, they never led by more than eight. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a two-point game with just a couple minutes to go. 
Uh, and they made some free throws to kind of pull away mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and then the Delaware game, uh, JMU had taken the lead in the final minute, and it went back and forth, and they ended up losing a nail-biter. Um, so, you know, maybe they can look at these games and say, we, we know we can compete with these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they kind of, you know, losing those close games was a little bit disheartening along the road of losing, you know, several in mm-hmm. a row. Um, so maybe looking at it at a different angle where, you know, they're coming off a win. They know they can be competitive. We'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I it'd be important to get at least one victory right. over the weekend, yeah. I would think, um, just to kind of, you know, keep it from sinking back down to the, you know, level it was. Right. I mean, this team, I mean, frankly, they're, they're not going to get to where everybody thought they should be this year. It's right. basically impossible at yeah. this point. Yeah. But – you know, winning a handful of conference games can look a whole lot better, you know, going into the CA tournament than if you're, you know, two and whatever when it's, you know, conference tournament time. And, yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at the standings that closely, but obviously you want to avoid being the last four. I don't even know if the chances of them avoiding those final four spots is, is possible it, at this it, point. It'll be a big challenge, um, you know, because just, you know, frankly – JMU and UNCW are at the bottom. Right. Uh, you know, JMU has the advantage there because they swept UNCW right. if it's a two-way tie between those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Elon is only a game better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then everybody else has at least five wins at this yeah. point. So, um, yeah. so, you know, it's not impossible to make a climb. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you can get a couple of road games here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get that much closer to like a Drexel that's, you know, around the 500 mark, you know, if you have three wins compared to their five at the end of the weekend, like, right. you know, yeah. you're yeah. not that far off, Yeah, but yeah. getting out of that, you know, first day where the, you know, bottom four teams play, it's going to be a huge yeah. challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think at this point, you know, if you're JMU, you know, what do you try to play for? You try to, you know, play day to day, obviously, you know, game to game, but you know, you don't want to finish last. If you can, you know, finish ahead of UNCW right. or ahead of an Elon, you know, that could make make a lot of difference as far as just, you know, your right. mental sure. aspects. I'm yeah. not sure anything at this point other than winning the conference tournament really can salvage the season. Yeah. You know, there's going to be, you know, I think there's going to be some major changes in this program. You know, I think everybody's expecting a coaching change at this point. I mean, right. You know, right. You know, saying anything, anybody's not you know, talking about, right. but from what I hear, there's going to be changes that go beyond that. There's going to be changes to marketing and, hmm. uh, you know, communications and things going into this new building that sure. they're just going to try to, yeah. you know, do from an administrative standpoint, they're going to make a lot of changes to men's basketball. Cause you know, that's where as good as football program has been, you don't make any money going to the championship game and, right. you know, FCS football, really. I mean, you mm-hmm. make some money with season tickets and mm-hmm. things like that. But to support your athletic program, you need to have a postseason basketball team. It, right. it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, I mean, the attendance numbers are, are actually somewhat shocking in, in how far they've gone down in, say, the last five years. Um, so, And that's something we can Which, always talk yeah. about. Which is an issue a lot of places. I mean, because, yeah. yeah. you know, there's – you know, so many options for entertainment and to, you know, watch a game. If you want to watch JMU in your bed mm-hmm. on your iPad, you can right now. I right. mean, we can get into the whole, uh, 
you know, cost of that and the, that that's a completely different episode, but, uh, you know, that option exists for people. Sure. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to watch JMU basketball, like you got to go to the game. Right. But, you know, so that's an issue everywhere. But at the same point time, sure. if this program was a winner and I'm not even talking about, you know, top 25 right. winner, I'm talking about like a team that you felt like had a reasonable chance to win yeah. the CAA in any given year. I think this community would certainly, you know, show up for it. Yeah, I, w- I was talking to somebody today, just reminding me about, you know, the 80s and 90s when there were 5,000, 6,000 people in the building, and, and it was pretty loud and exciting. And, yeah, they are going to open up a new building next season, and there's always change with that. And it's interesting your comments about marketing. Um, you know, on the court, just maybe, you know, I have, you've seen them certainly a lot more than I have. Just watching them the other day, it's been pointing out, Wilson is a really nice, you know, Inside player, but he's really their only inside player, right? I mean, in terms of major production under the basket. Yeah, I mean, you know, Zach Jacobs has had mm-hmm. a you know pretty nice season, mm-hmm. um, but he's you know he's a role player. You, you know, you're not asking him for more than you know right. six to seven points a mm-hmm. game, and you know maybe five to six rebounds, mm-hmm. and he'll block some shots. And you know, he's a nice guy to bring off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's you know. That, or Dwight Wilson is the, you know, main guy underneath yeah, who really gets yeah. it done for them. Just lastly, before we wrap up, um, in terms of personnel, any any JMU men's player that you feel like has played well? I mean, they have a lot of nice pieces, but anybody that you feel like has really played well the last few weeks? Um, I think I would single out uh, Darius Banks here mm-hmm. recently. I don't even know if the stats necessarily back it up, but – Probably since the second half of the Towson game, he's the one guy who's kind of brought that um, consistent effort and mm-hmm. it seems to have been, you know, something sparked in him that, like, he was not happy with the direction of the team mm-hmm. and maybe is even willing to step outside his comfort zone as far as, you know, whether it's calling somebody out or like he mentioned the other day that he, um, you know, just ask guys to come tell him what was bothering them, whether mm-hmm. it was a basketball issue or, you know, something else, or there's, mm-hmm. you know, hearing rumors or, you know, whatever that was, you know, they don't have anybody who's going to necessarily be the guy who's going to stand up and shout mm-hmm. on this team, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, proven to be a little bit of an issue just when the way the personalities blend. Um, but I would give him credit for being the one guy who's maybe tried to step out of his comfort zone mm-hmm. and try to make something work. You know, just looking at their roster, they only have one senior on the roster. Um, you, you always talk about senior leadership. Maybe there's a senior that, you know, it's it's their last year of their career. They know that mm-hmm. their season, their career is going to be over. Maybe that would be a type person that would be in some people's faces saying, look, this is my last chance here. Do you think – that makes a difference only having one senior on the roster? I think to some degree, but at the same, you know, it's like you said, there's not anybody necessarily who has that, you know, level of clout plus this is my last go around. Right. Um, But at the same time, you know, Darius, Matt Lewis have played so much since they were freshmen. They both are, you know, scored over a thousand points in their career Mm -hmm. already. They, basically have the same kind of experience that a lot of seniors right. have yeah. um, and kind of knew they were in that leadership role. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't you know, 
something you get into a lot. These guys, a lot of them, it's been pointed out to me, they reflect the personality of their coach so mm-hmm. much, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. They, you know, right. When we're all talking about nice guys. People yeah. like them. Everybody yeah. likes them. But, you know, maybe they would be better off if there was one jerk on the team and that guy who, you know, yeah. and I mean, I even know if I'm using the word jerk as, you know, necessarily like a bad person, but you know, right. no. like there's not necessarily that guy who would rather knock you through the wall than let you score on him this play, because that's how important it is right now. And, and that's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You've watched a lot of teams as a fan and as a writer. I mean, I remember watching my daughter's volleyball teams and, you know, my, my daughter was a setter and she was a senior, but they were all nice. You know, maybe somebody yeah. needed to be not so nice, uh, you know, to help a team win. Yeah. And I mean, even and talking about nice, like there are probably people who are perfectly nice people off the court, but you don't like playing against them. And right. I don't know if JMU really has any of that guys right now, like people just hate to play against. It's interesting. Interesting. Well, Shane, some really good insights on both programs. Uh, Couple, you know, we're, we're almost to middle of February. It's this is a great month for basketball. Uh, obviously, March gets even better. Um, as we wrap up, anything else on the two JMU programs as we get ready for another weekend of basketball in the CAA? No, I guess we'll just uh, come back and do this next week and see where they both stand after a couple games. Well, great, Shane. Congratulations to your Chiefs, and uh, great to talk hoops again. All right, thank you.